Chapter Fourteen of Erewhon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Neil Donnelly. Erewhon by Samuel Butler. Chapter Fourteen. Mahena. I continued my sojourn with the Nosnibors. In a few days Mr. Nosnibor had recovered from his flogging, and was looking forward with glee to the fact that the next would be the last. I did not think that there seemed any occasion even for this, but he said it was better to be on the safe side, and he would make up the dozen. He now went to his business as usual, and I understood that he was never more prosperous in spite of his heavy fine. He was unable to give me much of his time during the day, for he was one of those valuable men who are paid not by the year, month, week, or day, but by the minute. His wife and daughters, however, made much of me, and introduced me to their friends, who came in shoals to call upon me. One of these persons was a lady called Mahena. Zulora, the elder of my host's daughters, ran up to her and embraced her as soon as she entered the room, at the same time inquiring tenderly after her poor dipsomania. Mahena answered that it was just as bad as ever. She was a perfect martyr to it, and her excellent health was the only thing which consoled her under her affliction. Then the other ladies joined in with condolences and the never-failing suggestions which they had ready for every mental malady. They recommended their own straightener and disparaged Mahena's, Mrs. Nasnabor had a favorite nostrum, but I could catch little of its nature. I heard the words, full confidence that the desire to drink will cease when the formula has been repeated. Uh, this confidence is everything, uh, far from undervaluing a thorough determination never to touch spirits again, uh, fail too often, uh, formula a certain cure, with great emphasis, uh, prescribed form, uh, full conviction. The conversation then became more audible, and was carried on at considerable length. I should perplex myself and the reader by endeavouring to follow the ingenious perversity of all they said, enough that in the course of time the visit came to an end, and Mahena took her leave receiving affectionate embraces from all the ladies. I had remained in the background after the first ceremony of introduction, for I did not like the looks of Mahena, and the conversation displeased me. When she left the room I had some consolation in the remarks called forth by her departure. At first they fell to praising her very demurely. She was all this, that, and the other, until I disliked her more and more at every word, and inquired how it was that the straighteners had not been able to cure her as they had cured Mr. Nosnibor. There was a shade of significance on Mrs. Nosnibor's face as I said this, which seemed to imply that she did not consider Mahena's case to be quite one for a straightener. It flashed across me that perhaps the poor woman did not drink at all. I knew that I ought not to have inquired, but I could not help it, and asked point-blank whether she did or not. "'We can none of us judge of the condition of other people,' said Mrs. Nosnibor, in a gravely charitable tone and with a look towards Zulora. "'Oh, Mama," answered Zulora, pretending to be half-angry, but rejoiced at being able to say out what she was already longing to insinuate. "'I don't believe a word of it. It's all indigestion. I remember staying in the house with her for a whole month last summer, and I am sure she never once touched a drop of wine or spirits. 
The fact is, Mahena is a very weakly girl, and she pretends to get tipsy in order to win a forbearance from her friends to which she is not entitled. She is not strong enough for her calisthenic exercises, and she knows she would be made to do them unless her inability was referred to moral causes. Here the younger sister, who was ever sweet and kind, remarked that she thought Mahena did tipple occasionally. I also think, she added, that she sometimes takes poppy juice. Well, then, perhaps she does drink sometimes, said Zalora, but she would make us all think that she does it much oftener in order to hide her weakness. And so they went on for half an hour and more, bandying about the question as to how far their late visitor's intemperance was real or no. Every now and then they would join in some charitable commonplace, and would pretend to be all of one mind that Mahena was a person whose bodily health would be excellent if it were not for her unfortunate inability to refrain from excessive drinking. But as soon as this appeared to be fairly settled, they began to be uncomfortable until they had undone their work and left some serious imputation upon her constitution. At last, seeing that the debate had assumed the character of a cyclone or a circular storm, going round and round and round and round till one could never say where it began, nor where it ended, I made some apology for an abrupt departure, and retired to my own room. Here, at least, I was alone. But I was very unhappy. I had fallen upon a set of people who, in spite of their high civilization and many excellences, had been so warped by the mistaken views presented to them during childhood from generation to generation that it was impossible to see how they could ever clear themselves. Was there nothing which I could say to make them feel that the constitution of a person's body was a thing over which he or she had at any rate no initial control whatever, while the mind was a perfectly different thing, and capable of being created anew and directed according to the pleasure of its possessor? Could I never bring them to see that while habits of mind and character were entirely independent of initial mental force and early education, the body was so much a creature of parentage and circumstances that no punishment for ill health should be ever tolerated save as a protection from contagion, and that even where punishment was inevitable it should be attended with compassion? Surely if the unfortunate Mahena were to feel that she could avow her bodily weakness without fear of being despised for her infirmities, and if there were medical men to whom she could fairly state her case, she would not hesitate about doing so through the fear of taking nasty medicine. It was possible that her malady was incurable, for I had heard enough to convince me that her dipsomania was only a pretense, and that she was temperate in all her habits. In that case she might perhaps be justly subject to annoyances or even to restraint, but who could say whether she was curable or not, until she was able to make a clean breast of her symptoms instead of concealing them? In their eagerness to stamp out disease these people overshot their mark, for people had become so clever at dissembling, they painted their faces with such consummate skill, they repaired the decay of time and the effects of mischance with such profound dissimulation that it was really impossible to say whether any one was well or ill till after an intimate acquaintance of months or years. Even then the shrewdest were constantly mistaken in their judgments, and marriages were often contracted with most deplorable results owing to the art with which infirmity had been concealed. It appeared to me that the first step towards the cure of disease should be the announcement of the fact to a person's near relations and friends. If any one had a headache, 
he ought to be permitted within reasonable limits to say so at once, and to retire to his own bedroom and take a pill, without everyone's looking grave and tears being shed and all the rest of it. As it was, even upon hearing it whispered that somebody else was subject to headaches, a whole company must look as though they had never had a headache in their lives. It is true they were not very prevalent, for the people were the healthiest and most comely imaginable, owing to the severity with which ill health was treated. Still, even the best were liable to be out of sorts sometimes, and there were few families that had not a medicine chest in a cupboard somewhere. End of chapter 14